Okay, is anybody out there excited that the tomb is empty, empty that our king is alive and that his presence is here? It's crazy, right? You like that last song we sang? Isn't that good? Who the sun sets free is free indeed. I'm a child of God. That's who I am. Hey, I, I want to start off this morning by reading uh, several passages that will kind of set up where we're going. Um, the first is from Isaiah chapter 43. Now, my voice is a little hoarse. <laughs> a little hoarse. <laughs> a pony, I call it. Um, but <laughs> that's really terrible. Uh, anyhow, my voice is a little bit hoarse. We went on a, a trip with the youth and you like sing and worship all day and shout and scream and talk in the van and... You know, it's kind of hard to keep your voice. I even did something a little bit crazy in, in the Welcome Center. Um, Daniel told me that it was Tom Brady's birthday yesterday, so I was walking around in the Welcome Center Maryland house. Say, you know it's Tom Brady's birthday today? And I sang it, happy birthday to Tom Brady, out there in the middle of the Welcome House. So. Uh, no one joined me. <laughs> but I met Eddie, who was a fan of the, of the Patriots. His wife was working at one of the counters. So anyhow, enough of that. Uh, Isaiah chapter 43, but now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. And that's good advice, right? You know, listen to the Lord, right? Uh, stop listening to other people. Stop listening to the lies of the enemy. Maybe even stop listening to yourself, but listen to the Lord because he's the one who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you says, do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I've called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, I'll be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, ever been there? He says, you'll not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will gather you and your children from east and west. I will say to the north and south, bring my sons and daughters back to Israel. From the distant corners of the earth, bring all who claim me as their God, for I have made them for my glory. It is I who created them. Who is with you? God is with you. And why did God create you? God created you for his glory. God created you to make a difference. And, and here's the next passage. And uh, it's about who you are as a Jesus follower. And you've heard this passage before, but it, it's still true. And it still holds power. Jesus said on a hill by the Sea of Galilee, looking at a great multitude, he said, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And Jesus said in John 10, 10, the thief, our enemy, comes to steal and to kill and destroy. He's good at it. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. And here's the last one. Then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you'll save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? 
Uh, did, you, did you hear what those verses are saying? Listen, you are who God says you are. He, he created you. He formed you. He called you by name. You are his. He is with you. And you were created to bring him glory because you are the light of this dark world. Amen? And, and this world's pretty dark. Uh, and we're going to do something uh, just right now. Um, and we're trying to make prayer more than just a good transition so that I can sneak up here and the praise team sneaks off and I can move my fan so it points to me now, right? Um, but, but to make prayer something really important. And uh, probably most of you know, it, it's crazy, the darkness and hatred out there, right? In El Paso, right? 20 people at a Walmart. I, I shop at Walmart. Gunned down. I think I need to silence my phone. <laughs> Steve Bailey, welcome home. I hope the move was wonderful, and today is a good day at the Grove for you. We sure missed you. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. <laughs> All right. Hey, let's take a moment. Everybody silence your phones. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate that. But what we're going to do right now, and then... then Last night, in the middle of the night, 1.30 a.m., I don't know if you heard about this, right, in Dayton, Ohio, um, outside a bar somewhere, 10 more people were shot and killed. And, and, and uh, it is a dark, violent world full of hatred. Everybody's just all amped up for all the wrong things. And so I'm going to ask every, if we, we just stand, and we're going to form little groups. This may make you uncomfortable. That's okay. Form little groups, and, and I'm going to give you a moment to pray silently or if someone in your group wants to just pray for our world and the people who have suffered right now that lost family members in El Paso and in, and in Dayton, Ohio. So just circle up somewhere. I'll give you a moment. You can pray silently, but if someone in the group wants to pray out loud, and, and I know this is, you know, get in a circle. This is, be, it will be okay. I promise you. Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just humbly come into your presence, and, and God, we pray for the moms and the dads and the brothers and the sisters and the sons and the daughters and the aunts and the uncles and the grandparents and the grandchildren. God, so many people um, are hurting right now. God, just comfort those families, those who lost their loved ones and those who are in hospitals fighting for their lives, and be with all the doctors and nurses who are the frontline offense uh, of of defense in this stuff, Lord, and just, uh, God, I, I just pray for our country. God, I, I, I pray that our, our politicians will not try to just stir things up, pointing fingers at each other. Lord, it's just darkness. It's just evil, um, you know, and, and I pray they don't use it just to, I pray they try to solve what's going on instead of, you know, I hope they want to just solve the problem rather than want to blame somebody, God. And God, I just pray for all the anger that's out there and all the hatred, God, that people may find you, God. And I pray for us, your people. You say you're the, that we're the light of the world, and this world needs some light right now. And God, I pray that whether it's our schools or our neighborhoods or in the stores, the marketplace, or jobs, God, that we would be that light. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. We are the light of the world, and... Our good deeds bring God glory. You know, as we die to ourselves and we live for Him. So we, we've been in the series for a, a long time, since April the twenty eighth. Uh, 
It's called becoming the church he intended. Uh, Jesus said, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Uh, Jesus wants to build his church and Jesus has intentions for his church. Uh, there's a quote that one of the speakers at, at, at the MOVE conference said this week that uh, there are people's destinies that are tied to your obedience. You know, that where people will spend forever is tied to whether you and I will be obedient. And, and as I heard that, I, I thought about our series and I kind of worded it this way for us, that there, there are people's destinies tied to Maple Grove becoming the church that Jesus intended, right? I mean, so the stakes are pretty high. I, I mean, if we don't become the church Jesus intended, there will be a bunch of people who will not spend eternity with Jesus, right? That's, that's the truth. And, and so what we're talking about, they could not be more important, right, for us to, to be the light of the world and get that light out into this dark, dark world. And the series, we've seen that the church that Jesus intended, it's his body, it's his bride, it's his family, it's his flock, it's God's temple, it's the promised messianic kingdom, and it's the hope of the world. And I don't know about you, when I think about that stuff, all that stuff tells me the church is a, is a pretty big deal. And, and we saw on Pentecost Sunday that, uh, that when the church was born, fire fell down and, and, and there was a loud rush of wind and Peter preached the gospel telling people that you know what? The gospel and God's spirit is for all people, male and female, young and old, Jew and Gentile, rich and poor. And then we spent two weeks talking about that Jesus intended his church to be full of, of crucified followers, right? Not fans on the sidelines, sitting in their seats, but disciples who are fully devoted to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayer. And that's where we've been. And that's what we are pursuing as a church, to become the church that Jesus intended because the destinies of countless people, some are in your family, some you'll meet this year when you go to back to school, right? Or some are where you work, you know, whose destiny hang in the balance of us getting serious about being the church that he wants, Okay, let's move on. Have you ever made a wrong turn while on a road trip? I lost count this time around. But I like to say that's why God invented U-turns, right? I love U-turns. Uh, they're a beautiful, beautiful thing. I mean, it'd be kind of crazy to keep heading down the wrong road and not turn around. Now, for those who've been around for a long time like me, I appreciate the fact that on our phones, we have something called a GPS, right? Anybody remember those days of the, the maps? And that you needed an engineering degree to fold that sucker back up? <laughs> or hand it to a 10-year-old and they could do it, right? You're going, like, where do we go? Where do we turn? You know? I, I really appreciate the fact. And I use my GPS, right? When we left on Sunday, last Sunday morning, I put in 350 West 40th Street, New York, New York in Times Square for a hotel. Boom, it got us there. And we left there early on Monday morning. I put 255 Grapevine Road, Wyndham, Massachusetts. You see, it's great to have guidance when you're trying to get from where you are to, to where you want to be, to where you want to go. 
And so on April 28th, we sent our destination, right? We plugged in, becoming the church that Jesus intended. And listen, taking this journey requires us to both individually and collectively figure out where we are, right? That's important, right? If your GPS doesn't know where you are, doesn't know your starting point, it's not going to work for you. And God's word is our GPS, right? God's word is what's going to tell us what we need to do. And so beginning on April 28th, we've heard God's word say, proceed to root, <laughs> proceed to the root, proceed to the root, and that's what we're trying to do, proceed to the root of becoming the church that Jesus intended. And, and now we're, here's where we're going as we wrap up this series for the next several weeks, um, unpacking the truth that Jesus intended his church to be full of people who are living their lives on mission. You know, I, I'll never forget, you know, when I was introduced to the concept of mission. I, I was 20 years old. I just got married. I had just finished two years of nuclear power school, and I was reporting to my very first submarine, USS Woodrow Wilson, SSBN 624. Here, here's a picture. She's, she's a thing of beauty. She is beautiful. I love submarines. And so in August of 1980, I, I, I stepped into the off-crew offices of the blue crew because the gold crew had the sub underway at sea, and that very first day, Captain Moore invited me into his office. <laughs> I was pretty intimidated. But he was like, he, he was the ward cleaver of COs. And, it, it, you know, he calmed me down. And for 30 minutes, he explained to me about the mission of the Woodrow Wilson and its role in our national defense. And since I was a member of the crew, I needed to understand the mission and what it was. And that was 39 years ago. But it seems like it was last week. Maple Grove, fellow Jesus followers, well, we are part of Jesus' crew, if you will. And listen, as his church, as his body, it's important for us to understand what our mission is. And, and as we look into the Bible, we find that, that our mission as a church, our mission as a group of Jesus followers, for the most part, is aligned with the mission that Jesus had when he wore flesh and walked this planet. You know, our mission, like Jesus, we... Seek the lost, make disciples, and we show compassion. And the truth of the matter is that you and I, you know, we don't just kind of stumble, you know, into living our lives on mission. We have to be intentional about it. We've got to have a plan. How are we going to get there? Great idea, right? But how do we get there? Over five years ago, you know, we met with a a, a, a leadership coach who helped us to develop a plan. It was a good, it's a good plan, a, a plan, a simple plan for pursuing life on mission. And this morning, what I literally did with that plan, you ever have a stain on your carpet that, like, you don't notice anymore because it's just there, you know? Uh, and, and that's why it's good that people walk into our church for the first time and go, whoa, did you know this stain was here or something? And you could just not notice it's there. Like we have, st we have this thing hanging on the wall, this path to life on mission, you know. And, and so I literally took it off the wall in my office. And, and what we're going to do for the next several weeks is to begin to, to dust this off. Like, like what is this plan? How, how, do, we, how do we live our, our life on mission, right? And, and we came up, you know, Holy Spirit prayed over plan. It's very simple that uh, life lived on mission it belongs, it, it grows, it serves, and it uh, engages and engages 
our world. And, and I'm, it's my prayer, you know, that God is going to breathe fresh life into that. You know, sometimes in life and, in, and stuff, you know, something doesn't work and it's time to move on to something else, right, because it wasn't a good idea. Sometimes you had a good idea, but you never executed it, right? You know, um, we did not execute this plan very well, all right? But it's still a good plan because it comes from the Bible, so we're not going to toss it away. We're going we're gonna to figure out how we can execute it in the proper way. Yeah, because I- I'm convinced that if you and I focus on belong and grow and serve and engage, that our lives will matter. That our lives will bring glory to God. And they'll be full of meaning and purpose. So this morning, August the 4th, the year of our Lord, 2019, we're going to talk about the place where living a life on mission begins. You were made to make a difference. You were made to bring glory to God. And that glory and that mission and that difference begins with belong. And the way I, I, I want to attack this conversation is by answering uh, these four age-old questions. Why am I here? What am I supposed to, who am I supposed to be? What am I supposed to do? What is the meaning, not just of life, but what is the meaning of my life? And, and these are questions that every person that's ever sucked air on this planet has asked. And I'm going to attempt to answer those questions by unpacking the following statement, meaning everyone is looking for it, meaning not everyone finds it, meaning where it begins, meaning how it is sustained. Once upon a time, a camel was trying to figure out the meaning of life. And he asked his mom, Mom, why do we have these huge feet with only three toes? Well, son, our, our feet are large so that we don't sink down into the sand when we travel through the desert. And then he asked his mom, Mom, why do we have such long eyelashes? She said, son, well, when the winds blow in the desert, you know, the sand gets caught up in that wind, and our eyelashes will keep the sand from getting in our eyes. Then he, had, then he said, well, why do we have these big humps on our back? And she said, we have these big humps because they store water as we travel across the desert. And so he said, okay, so let me get this straight, Mom. You know, we have, we have big feet from keeping us from sit, sinking into the sand as we travel. We have, we have huge eyelashes to keep the sand of our eyes as we travel through the desert. And we have these huge humps to store water as we travel through the desert. She said, she said that's right, son. He was really confused. And he said, then why do we live in the San Diego Zoo? And maybe this morning you feel kind of the same way. You're thinking maybe, I, I, I know that God created me a certain way, that he's given me different talents and abilities, that he's created me to live in this particular time in history, and for at least the time being in the state of Virginia, and, and that as a Jesus follower, that, that, that you're filled with the Spirit of God and have the same power in you that raised Jesus from the dead, but sometimes we feel like we're still living in the San Diego Zoo. I mean, it's like we know that we were made for something more, that we were made for something else, something better. Jesus said, I've come to 
give you life and that you may have that life more abundantly. Touch three people and say, there's more. There's more. There's more. There's more. Don't touch them too hard. The meaning of life, I mean, wouldn't you agree everybody's looking for it? And there's a good reason because God has placed that desire for meaning within their hearts. Ecclesiastes, we read, he, God, has planted eternity in man's hearts and minds, a divinely implanted sense of purpose working through the ages, which nothing under the sun but God alone can satisfy. You see, this desire for meaning and, and purpose that everyone seems to be on was placed in our hearts by God. We were born this way. We were born with the desire to have our lives matter, to have our lives mean something, to be lived with a, have our lives where we live with a sense of mission and fulfillment and purpose. We were born for more. He has planted eternity in man's hearts and minds, a divinely implanted sense of purpose working through the ages which nothing under the sun but God alone can satisfy. And since this desire is so strong and so unrelenting, our world is full of people who, with great intensity, are looking for anything that will give their lives meaning. And they chase all kinds of things, hoping to find meaning in them, purposing them, fulfillment in them, things like status, success, accomplishment, pleasure, experience, experiences, relationships, meaning everyone's looking for it, but not, every, not many find it. Not many experience it, even though they expend so much energy and time. Very few really wind up holding meaning in their hands. And sometimes they think they have it, but once they get a hold of it, they find out it's just a mirage. It's not real. It's not solid. It's not satisfying, which is really tragic because a life without purpose and meaning isn't really a life worth living. And, and you know what? I, you know, I don't think it's a coincidence that as our society as our societies become more sophisticated, and then that so-called sophistication has taught us such affirming things like we are nothing more than products of chance organic evolution, just pond scum that crawled up on the shore and got lucky, that depression, addiction, violence, and the suicide rate have gone off the charge. You see, whether our culture wants to admit it or not, once you take God out of the equation who created us, there are not many alternatives to give life meaning and not many that last for long. And again, the things we try to hold on onto, it's like falling over a cliff and trying to grab on the twigs, no matter how many you grab onto, they can't support you. Man-made purposes cannot support your life, at least not very long. Looking for meaning in all the wrong places will always leave us empty and dry. And that's what God's people were doing in the days of Jeremiah. Check out these words. Here's what he says. Jeremiah chapter 2. They have turned away from me the spring of living water. Thirsty people, right? And they're turning away from the source of water. And they've dug their own wells. We could say status, success, success. Status, stuff, success, accomplishment, pleasure. 
which are broken and cannot hold water. All right, so, hey, God says, I'll give you living water, have much as you need, whenever you need it. They go, no, I'll go over here, and I'm going to get water for something that can't even hold water, right? And listen, when you chase after those things and you pour your life into those things that have a hole in, it doesn't matter how much you pour or how fast you pour, right? It's just water. It'll dry, right? You know, you can pour all of yourself into these things, but guess what? I like to make a mess. It's water, y'all. But some people are doing that, aren't they? Is our world not doing that? Have you ever done that? Poured yourself into something and you go, well, if I just pour it in faster, if I, maybe if I use two pitchers, maybe then, but it does not work. Get it? Solomon figured it out. Check out what he wrote. I said to myself, come now, let's give pleasure a try. Uh, let's look for the good things in life. But I found that this too were, was meaningless. It's really silly to be laughing all the time. I said, what good does it do to seek only pleasure? After much thought, I decided to cheer myself with wine. While still seeking wisdom, I clutched at foolishness. In this way, I hope to experience the only happiness most people find during their brief life in this world. I also try to find meaning by building huge homes for myself and by planting beautiful vineyards. I made gardens and parks, filling them with all kinds of fruit trees. I built reservoirs to collect the water to irrigate my many flourishing groves. I bought slaves, both men and women, and others were born into my household. I also owned great herds and flocks, more than any other king who lived in Jerusalem before me. I collected great sums of silver and gold. Great investor, the treasure of many kings and provinces. I hired wonderful singers, both men and women, and had many beautiful concubines. I had everything a man could desire. So I became greater than any of the kings who ruled in Jerusalem before me. Anything I wanted, I took. I did not restrain myself from any joy. I even found great pleasure and hard work and additional reward for all my labors. But as I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless. It was like chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile. He was like, why do I feel like I'm still living in the San Diego Zoo. And our world is full of people who take the same path and feel the very same way. I Googled, this list was too huge. Famous people who committed suicide. <laughs> oh my goodness. I, I couldn't even begin to try to share names. Hundreds of names. Politicians, leaders, actors, singers, you name it you know, who took their lives, who had what many of us think we need for happiness. Proverbs 14, 12 says, Solomon said this, he didn't get it, right? You ever give advice, that's great, but you just don't take it? <laughs> There's a way that seems, appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to what? Death. It seemed right, I thought it would work. It leads to death, death of God's dreams, purpose, and intentions for us. You see, Many people often do get what they wanted, what they went after, but when they got what they wanted, they found out they didn't want what they got. Think about that for a minute. It'll catch up to you. They gained the whole world. They got stuff. They got status. They got attention. They got whatever, but they lost so much in the process. 
Jesus said, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? In other words, what good is it to reach all your personal goals, to be a massive success, to have the world applaud us if in the end we lose our very self, if in the end we miss out on the very reason for our existence? Like, does it really matter if you finish first place if you're running the race on the wrong track? Thief comes to steal, to kill and destroy. I've come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Third point in your notes is meaning. Where does it begin? It begins with God. It begins with the one who created you, the one who formed you, the one who breathed life into your body, the one who formed the heart inside your chest that beats up about 100,000 times every day of your life. I did the math. My heart has beaten 1 million, not maybe 1 billion, 306 million, 555,000 times in my life so far. All right, that's a lot. Now, do you just think, like, is there like a possibility that this all-powerful, all-knowing, almighty God who created you and formed you might know why you're here? Might know what you're supposed to do? Psalmist says, Psalm 139, for it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I've been remarkably and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know this very well. Okay, repeat after me. I am remarkably and wonderfully made. made. Now, repeat it like you believe it. I am remarkably and wonderfully made. Now turn to the per- no, never mind. <laughs> you could get a date later on, or husbands could win some points on that, but we get in trouble as well, so we'll skip that. Uh, he goes on, my bones were not hidden from you when I was made in the secret, when I was formed in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw me when I was formless. All the days were written in your book and planned before a single one began. And God knows everything about you. He knows when you get up, when you lie down, he He created you exactly the way he wanted to create you. God does not want you to be somebody else. When you get to heaven, he's not going to say, why weren't you more like blank? He can say, why weren't you just more you? I just wanted you to be you. I wanted you to be you. So the question, why am I here? Why was I born? God says, you're here, you're born because I love you. Because I carefully created you. To know me and and to be known by me, to have a relationship with me. And I'm convinced that if God were here today, visible, that he would would say this, your name. You're here. He would say, Steve, you are here. You exist. Steve, you are born because I love you. And Steve, you are born because I have a vision. I have plans. I have a purpose, Steve, for your life. The Bible says, The Lord has made everything for his own purpose. God never makes anything without meaning or purpose. Every star, every planet, every animal, every person, including you, was created with God and was created for a purpose. And his purpose, his plan, his mission for you, no matter where you are, where you've been, what you're experiencing or what you're feeling is good. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. And this was written to people having a really hard time being oppressed by another nation. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. 
God's not trying to mess your life up. He's not trying to do you harm. Sometimes you're like, God, I don't know if you have plans for me, but right now, they're not looking so good. The relationship broke up. The job is gone. My kids aren't living right. The doctor gave me a bad report. But God says, no, our plans are not to harm you, but plans to give you hope and a future. Listen, God has thoughts and intentions for your life. And those thoughts and intentions are good. Does that blow you away that God is thinking about you? <laughs> he goes, hey, I know what I want you to do. I know, I know what, what I want Kiahi to do, Bob to do, and Joe to do, because I, I created him for that very purpose. Ephesians 2.10, a very familiar verse. Don't let it get stale, right? For we are God's masterpiece. Not the world's masterpiece, not your mom's masterpiece, not your spouse's masterpiece. You're God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do. Why would God create you to do something that you couldn't do? He wouldn't. So we can do the good things he planned in advance for us long ago. Proverbs 9.10, knowing God results in every other kind of understanding. You want to understand the meaning of life? You want to know your purpose, why you're here, what you're supposed to do, your mission? Get to know God. Knowing God results in every other kind of understanding. Don't make God the last place you look. Oh, my life has no meaning, no purpose. I'm trying this, I'm trying that. Make God the first place you look and the only place you look. It all begins with God. Colossians 1.16, for everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. In him. In him. In him is where you'll find your purpose. Touch three people and say, in him. In him. In him. Or two people, one. You know, you know sometimes three's hard. Touch somebody. Uh, Rick Warren said in that great book of his, The Purpose Driven Life, the purpose of your life is far greater than your own personal fulfillment. Really? Your peace of mind or even your happiness is far greater than your family, your career, or even your wildest dreams and ambitions. If you want to know why your place on this planet, you must begin with God. You were born by his purpose and for his purpose. We were made by God and for God. Life of the mission, it, it, it begins with God and it requires surrender. And, and again, no verse to me speaks of surrender more than what Jesus said. Then he said to the crowd, if anyone wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you lose it, right? Well, I'll follow God, but I'm going I'm to keep one foot here. It, it's just not going to work. You're going to do a split and get hurt, right? But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit or lose their very self? You see, in order to find ourselves, we must lose ourselves. So that God can show us a self that's not about stuff, status, or worldly success, but instead is about belonging to him and being in relationship with him. 
a life lived on mission, it begins with God, right? And it requires surrender, and it's sustained through community. They were, do- they were devoted to the fellowship. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. See, we can't, we can't live a life of mission by ourselves. You know, during one of our quiet times at our group, you know, um, um, Jake and I, we had four great guys. I'll tell you, I was really proud of the way our guys were doing. Jake, Jake crushed it as our small group leader. It was a great time. And we're doing this quiet time. And, and then we found a worm. I got a video, but I didn't, I didn't send it in time. If you want me, text me. I'll send you this awesome video. Um, and and there, was a, there was a dead worm being carried straight up this rock, huge rock, by ants. And so I'm videoing it, right? And I said, oh, here we go. We got this worm here, and he's tearing this up here. How many other? And his little children are in this crack up here. And, you know, but the worm was huge. And these seven ants, right, together did it. Like one couldn't do it. You know when we moved the Gaga pit, right? That, that's, yeah, that's a massive thing. We're, that's the image of life, right? We can't do it on our own. We need each other for accountability, for encouragement, for support. That's why we do life groups at Maple Grove. And the purpose of our life group, we have a mission statement, is to share, share life, pursue God, and invest in others. Help each other do that. And what I would encourage you to do, you know, is if you're not in the life group, you know, take the bold step and say, hey, Steve, I'd like to know about life groups because we want to add to our groups in the fall and we want to maybe launch some new ones so no one has to do life alone, right? We, want, we don't want anyone to do life by themselves. So just fill out your card you know, and just say, hey, Hey, Steve, I, I, let me know the next time we're adding the life groups. Or, hey, Steve, I want to know more about life groups because I, I want to carry the worm up the side of the big old rock, and it's too heavy for me to do on my own. Okay, I, I want to wrap this puppy up um, with a statement, an illustration, and then a challenge. And here's the statement. I find this encouraging for me. It's never too late to become who you're created to be. Moses was 80, right? That's pretty old. He was 80 before he began to become the person God wanted him to be. It's never too late to become the person you were created to be and do what God created you to do. And listen, no, no matter where you are, you were meant for more, right? You were meant for more. And, and, and here's, here's my illustration. And don't worry, I'm not hammering any nails because I tend to bend them. Is that right, Mike Drew? <laughs> Before Mike Drew says that, I'll say it, all right? But imagine that you were born a hammer, but no one had any idea what your purpose was. Like, hey, is this hammer? Hey, this must be a paperweight. Or it's a, it's a back scratcher. Or maybe this is a cone. <laughs> or maybe when I go out to the restaurant, I got that piece of lettuce right here. 
Or maybe it's a cane for really short people, right? And, and you know what? You, you may have held down some paper. You, you may have scratched some itches. Picked some stuff out of your teeth. But just imagine all the nails that you could have driven. You know, all the pictures you could have hung. All the homes you could have built if you had lived your life on purpose as a hammer. See, you were made to make a difference. You were created to, for more than a life lived for you and a life about you and your purposes. And yeah, you, you may accomplish some things and you may have some success. You may acquire some stuff. You may achieve some status. But just imagine all the lives that you could have touched and all the forevers you could have changed if you would have lived your life on mission. So here's a challenge. And I know we're all at different spots, right? And no one's at the same spot in their journey today, but it doesn't really matter because we're all faced with the same challenge this morning to live our lives on mission. And listen, it's not an accident that you're here. Understand, before you were born, God knew that you would be here this morning. At whatever place you are, experience whatever you are experiencing in your life. And no matter where we are, it's time for us to make a decision. Now, maybe you're here and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. You've never given your life to Christ so that you can belong to him. If, if, you, if you've never done that, maybe the days you do that, you come up forward and, and you can talk to me. The baptistry is ready. I almost overflowed it this morning, topping it off, forgot about it. Bob goes, Bob Glass doing communion. Hey, is that thing supposed to be running? Yeah, but not running over, right? I didn't, I didn't overflow it. That's good. Good news. And maybe you are already belong to Christ, but maybe the decision you need to consider is, that, is to belong to this church. You know, and, and if that's you, just, you know, on your card, say, you know what, I, you know, because that's commitment, right? So probably don't want to do it, right? Uh, if I, if I, I'll come and I like it, but if I say I'm on the team, then maybe I got to carry the ball sometime. If I carry the ball, I may get hit, and, right? But I just want to challenge you. Just say, hey, Steve, talk to me about what it means to be a member of the church here and what I got to do. And you can just say, hey, Steve, I, I belong to God, but I, I like to belong to this church as they pursue becoming the church that he wants. And maybe you belong to God and you already belong to the church. Maybe you need to decide that it's time for you to really go after that abundant life that Jesus came to give you. Maybe you decide, you know, it's time for me to lay all that junk down and to run hard with and hard after Jesus. I I want to close with this book by Now, this quote by Todd Wilson from his book, More. What would happen in our generation if Christians were to rise up and show the world what it looks like to have the fullness of Jesus in them? And what would it look like for that fullness to overflow into the world as love in action? What if we were to truly embrace the truth that God's unique personal calling is his gift for equipping us 
to play our part in his mission in the world. You know, a life lived on mission begins with belong. And any journey has to have a beginning, right? Next week, we're going to talk about grow. But just reflect on where you are and what God is calling you to do as for a decision. You know, the, the teams are going to come up and, you know, at Maple Grove, every week we take communion. And... And this morning, I, I prayed it over each station for me and for you that, I mean, it, it, you know, it's what a metal tray and some plastic cups and some teeny little crackers, right? And a little grape juice. And it could just be that. Or it could be more. It could be a time where you remember that, that I will remember. Right? Who am I? I am who he says I am. And he says that I am and that you are someone that's worth having his body broken. That's who you are. And and maybe that cup could mean more than just a tiny little grape juice. Maybe it could remind you that, that you're somebody that Jesus says, you know what, you are worth my blood being shed and spilled to the point of death. That's who you are. I'm going to pray and give you an opportunity to take communion. Maple Grove, communion is offered. It's open to anybody. And uh, it's off to the sides. You know, we have a, one cup, the crackers in the bottom. But I'm going to pray. And after the song, we'll take communion together. Jesus, Holy Spirit, I, I don't understand why, God, you would send your one early son to die for me. don't even necessarily like me (laughs) and I don't always see worth in me but yet when you look at me and you look at everybody in this room you see someone that you knit and you formed in our mother's womb a person with purpose and meaning and God I pray as we sing this song about surrender that we do just that we surrender our lives and our hearts to you For a life lived on mission, a life of meaning and purpose begins with you. Amen.